conference finals are in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free to play pools every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs, offering players a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is it's free to play. DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes every day in the NBA and NHL playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pool to Play page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Finals. Are you ready for this? Who would have predicted? Could we see an Isles Habs Stanley Cup final? This is whack. This is too far right now. Isles take game one. We're going to dive into it. It's World Hockey Report presented by Lord Colorado Parts. Now open Edmonton on St. Albert Trail Northwest. Go check them out for 50 years. They've been a household name. Whatever you're looking for. High performance parts, shop equipment, paint, body supplies, anything. Seven days a week. Visit them today, exceptional customer experience, or learn more about their products and services at lordco.com. Snap it over to Saskatchewan. We got Adam Urban Trout with us on this Sunday night. We're buzzing, we're rocking, we're rolling. It's beautiful outside. The boys are gassed up. How are you feeling? Sunburned, man. It's like been the nicest weekend we've had here for a while, so I'm sunburned. I feel you there. I am red, and I hope the cameras don't show. We got the nice light coming because there's not a cloud in the sky. So I'll take the white look over the sunburn. You golf this weekend? Yeah, we uh, we played a scramble, and we beat the guys on 13. Wow. That's, uh, that's a hot start right there. Huge show lined up for everyone today, though. We'll talk golf later. We got a lot of hockey to break into. Isles, Lightning, Game 1. That wrapped up this afternoon. Barzell. I mean, what can you say? The kids turning into a gamer. Adam's favorite teams showing up. Be interesting to see. I mean, I know you love Vegas. I know you love the Islanders. And now, you know what? They are just sticking it to you. So we're going to talk with Lightning Insider Eric Erlinson to kick off the show. We got Blaine Potvin coming up in about 20 minutes. So let's snap it over to Eric right now while we got him. We appreciate you hopping the sh- on the show here. And hey, Tell, tell Lightning fans like Adam, when do we hit the panic button here? Obviously, a game one loss, nothing to, you know, shake in the boots about. But Eric, I want your thoughts on this game. I mean, Tampa just didn't look like themselves out there. 
Well, this is such an odd season, as we know. 56 games, all in your division, first two rounds of the playoffs, all in your division. We saw no feel out in games one against Carolina or Florida, right? It was just dive right in. We know exactly who you are. And not that the Lightning are surprised by who the Islanders are. I think their DNA is who they are, and there's no surprises there. But until you get back into it, and it's been since September since they've seen them, you know, it was interesting to listen to both uh, Ryan McDonough and Alex Kalorn after the game today talk about the difference going from Florida to Carolina and now to New York and the style of opposition that they're up against where Florida wanted to run and gun it and be physical with you. Carolina wants to be aggressive in your face and puck pursuit, whereas the Islanders are going to wait for you to make a mistake. And it's a much different approach. And call it the writer's curse, because I wrote this nice big story about how the Lightning are a much more patient team now. They understand that they're going to need that against the Islanders. They went out today and they were impatient. They forced plays, which is not something we've seen this team do in the last two playoff runs. And I think that's exactly what happened today. I mean, the Barzell goal is the byproduct of a bad play by Steven Stamkos. On the lighting, they've been getting away with him. Andre Vasilevsky had covered up a couple of those type of mistakes earlier in the game. You keep doing that against the Islanders. They're waiting for you to do it, and eventually they're going to take advantage. Josh Bailey picked it off, fed Matt, Matt Barzell. Barzell, who was really wasn't much of a factor in the Eastern Conference Final last year, immediately makes his imprint in this series, and it ends up being the really, it's not the game-winning goal, but it's the game that it's the goal that won the game. With uh, with the Lightning, I don't want to say they're at a disadvantage, um, but just how do you think the Islanders might be at an advantage here, just given their playing style? And now that they played against Tampa last year, and they're a little better this year, that they might give them a better run than last year. Because I, I think last year went six, but it wasn't particularly close. Well, the games were right. Like there were three two one games in that series, and you know, game one that was the. I don't know if you want to call it a scheduled loss, but the Islanders had just played game seven against the Flyers after nearly blowing a 3-1 lead. They had to get on a plane the next day and actually travel after a month in Toronto to get to Edmonton. And game one was a blowout. So the lighting blew that game out. The rest of them, I was looking at the numbers. There were three 2-1 games. I think it was another one was a was a 3-1 game. So that And that's exactly how the Islanders want to play. They want to play it tight. Um, so... Uh, if if you're Tampa Bay, though, like you understand that. And look, the Islanders, I think, are better at this point this year than they were last year. Barzell has a different approach to him this year. He really came alive in that series against the Bruins. Um, you know, Varlamov is feeling it right now. Uh, so they've got a vibe going. They're fed by that crowd at Nassau, which the lighting are going to Look, the Lightning haven't played in front of a crowd like that in who knows how long, right? The, the crowd in Carolina was great, but it's not going to be anything like they're, they're going to see at Nassau. Uh, so I, I just think if you're Tampa Bay, you have a better feel now for who the Islanders are this year. You know, the addition of Kyle Palmieri, I think, has brought a different dynamic to them. And we know the goal scoring that he has put forth for the Islanders this year. But this team, this Lightning team, has shown the ability. They haven't lost back-to-back games in the playoffs going back to the sweep against Columbus. Unfortunately, they have this habit of losing game one on home ice. I can't explain it. I don't understand it, but they just have this habit of doing it. Even the first home game of a series, they lost both the first home games against Florida and Carolina. It's a weird stat. It's hard to explain. And here they are again, having lost the first game on home ice, but they've shown the ability to bounce back from these situations.
Now, you mentioned that the Barzell goal, you think, was the kind of the dagger. First off, I don't know what Vasilevsky was trying to do with his stick there. It looked like he was trying to block a pass when there was clearly no passing option. But hey, we'll move on from that. Eric Erlinson, our guest. Be sure to go follow him. He's Lightning Insider on Twitter. Eric underscore Erlinson. It's Eric with a K. But hey, I want to ask you, I mean, game one, obviously you lose and it's not the first situation they've been in. I mean, as you said, they lost to Carolina. They lost to Florida the first game of the series. But for you today, who was the most disappointing lightning player out there? I feel like some of their top guns really just didn't look to have that jump. It, it felt weird watching them and not seeing them have that extra energy that you would expect in the Stanley cup semifinals for a team that has a chance to repeat. Well, it's weird in the sense that like we know the lightning can skate and they want to skate, but the Islanders will not let you do it. So they were kind of caught in that. So, you know, we, we, we didn't see Braden point speed on display. He wasn't able to, to penetrate the blue line and back the Islanders D off. Like we know that he's capable of doing uh, Nikita Kucherov wasn't able to, to set up and be a playmaker, which he can do if Braden point is opening up, you know, the space. So um, I think that's part of it. If, if you're looking for one player who was disappointing, um, it, it's weird. Like, I can't sit here and say anybody had a bad game, but I certainly can't sit here and say anybody had a good game. So it was just kind of one of those blah type of games. Um, Eric Chernak did particularly not have a good game, and he's a guy that they've really relied on in that shutdown pair with Ryan McDonough. He had a couple of really atrocious turnovers, one that uh, I think Josh Bailey put off the crossbar on a wide-open chance. Uh, so he he – he's probably the one guy I would look at it and say that he has to be better as that top right-handed shot pair uh, guy uh, on a consistent basis this year. Uh, he's probably of the blah type of games. He probably had the blahest. I don't want to say it's, it's the last run for Tampa just because a team with Kucherov and Vashlavsky and point had been, but Looking at their cap situation for next year, they're over already by $5 million and guys haven't even left their team. Um, like the Coleman's, the Gaudreau's, they're going to have to package Tyler Johnson. I mean, Lightning fans can say what they want, but he's still a, a decent NHL player. So do you kind of see this as not a must-win for Tampa, but it could get ice, dicey next year just given some of the contracts they have coming off? It's there's certainly some pressure there. Uh, certainly not the way it would have been last year. Last year they felt that pressure because the cap hit honestly was supposed to hit this year. The Kucherov situation has been talked about ad nauseum uh, here the last little while uh, as he's kind of you know uh, erupted here after not playing the regular season. So they were supposed to be in that cap issue this year. The Kucherov injury kicked the can down the line. So I think they understand that urgency. I mean, I, I can't see any way Blake Coleman is re-signed. He's going to be too costly as a free agent. I'm not even sure they can afford Barclay Goodrow. They'd love to have Barclay Goodrow back. I don't know if they can afford it. They will lose somebody to the expansion draft, and it's probably going to be a pretty good player um, you know, to Seattle. So they'll lose that one. But, yeah, they have to clear cap space. Um, they don't have any big – UFA, like last year, they had to sign Sorelli, they had to sign Chernak, and they had to sign Sergachev. So that kind of made it a little difficult for them with the cap situation they were in. But yeah, they, I think they feel that, understanding that they have a chance here to do something special that only one team has done since 97, 98, and that's the, the Penguins in, in 16 and 17. So they feel that. They understand the changes have to come. The business is going to dictate that. They don't talk about it much probably because we only get about four questions in on a Zoom call, so you don't hear a ton about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think they understand what they're up against in terms of what the cap's going to do to this roster next year. 
Eric Erlitson, our guest here, Lightning Insider for Lord Co. Audible Parts. Hey, I got one last one for you, and it was maybe a little bit of a shocker. You know, a minute into the game today, we see some rough stuff. We see the Isles right away going engage. You know that's what Trotz wants them to do. You know that they want to get in the Lightning grill. Do you think that if t- the Isles play that way all series, Tampa's in trouble because that's just not how their skilled players play? And I mean, love it or hate it, you know, when Florida tried to play bully hockey, it really, you know, the, the Lightning became ineffective because they, they don't play that hockey. They play on the power play. They're a skilled team. They'll outscore anyone in the league. But to play a low-scoring, gritty game, not exactly their style. Well, you say that, and they beat Carolina twice, 2-1, to one, and Carolina 2 nothing, right? So they, they can play that game. They, they have certainly relied on the power play, and I think that's where Florida got themselves into trouble because they tried to play that game, and it put the lighting on the power play. I'm still trying to figure out you know, uh, the, the boarding call uh, that led to the game-tying goal um, to Sam Bennett. Like I'm still trying to figure out what Sam Bennett was thinking there because it was a terrible time of the game, but he wanted to be physical. So if you want to be physical against Tampa Bay, you're running the risk of putting them on the power play. Um, I, I give Kelly Sutherland credit, though. He only waited eight seconds into the game to hand out penalties because, remember, the last time in Tampa, he gave penalties before the puck was even dropped between um, Warren Fogel and, uh, and Barkley Goodrow or Blake Coleman and sent them to the ball. I've never seen a game start four-on-four. Four. It's the craziest thing ever, and today we had to wait a whole eight seconds to get four-on-four four out of Kelly Sutherland. The Kelly Sutherland show. Adam, you got any last ones for Eric? Yeah, Eric, uh, fill in the blanks. Uh, the Lightning lose this series if. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky keeps giving up shots from 58 feet into the net. That's that that can't happen. Uh, that definitely has to something that's going to improve. And if they're only going to get one power play opportunity per game, they're not going to have a chance in the series. They they can play five on five, but they thrive on their power play. If they're only going to get one opportunity game, you better make sure it counts um, because the, the New York Saints are going to not be the New York Islanders. They are going to stay out of the box. That's part of their game. Adam, you got anything else or what? No, that's, no, that's all. I was okay, gonna, I will say, hey, hey no, no I, I didn't know if you were thinking really hard there. I was gonna give a, I was gonna give a, what happened? The Tampa Bay Lightning win if, but I mean, I think they just win if they play, play their game. Like it's pretty cliche, but at the same time, like they're the better team. They have probably five better players than anybody on the Islanders. So, Eric, thanks for doing this so much. We'll do it again down the road. All right. Well, I'll, I'll answer that question real quick. They will win if they manage the puck better than they did in Game One. There you go. Don't that's, feed that's, the that's if, yeah, if they don't feed the Islanders, they're going to give themselves a better chance to win. That's that's what it comes down to. That's how they lost the game today. The Islanders, it, it's a game of chicken. These two teams want to play patient. It's a game of chicken. Tampa Bay blink first today. It's like Guy Boucher's coaching again. <laughs> no, it, well, good thing Peter Labby last not on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, appreciate you. Keep up the great coverage. Thanks for jumping right. on. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Be well. Eric Erlinson right there. Lightning insider. Interesting points to make. I totally understand the Vasilevsky one. I mean, you saw that second goal. That's terrible. I mean, you can't let in a slap shot from the point that goes through your arms. There's no team in the league that, you know, should be having that happen to them in playoffs and winning a game. I mean, when I think of the worst goals in the playoffs this year, that's up there with Flurry's glove hand goal. Jack Campbell. The Jack Campbell game seven one. That's... That's that's probably third. It's a bad one. Yeah. Well, you just like can't. The, yeah. You just can't win a playoff game like that. And I know Vegas won, but that's in the first period. But 
a goal like that kind of halfway through the game, it just really deflates the, the mojo. Now, you clearly love New York and Vegas this year. So what's it like for you, knowing that we could be seeing an Islanders-Vegas series here after you've ripped on them all year? Well, I lost the 100 bucks because of the Islanders making it to the conference we finals. But you should have texted Rich to get on. Uh, no, I, I don't want to speak to him. No, he, uh, I mean, for the Islanders, I think one's pretty clear that Barry Trotz, like he's the best coach in the NHL. I don't think there's any any questions about it. I think that the Nassau Coliseum thing is real. Like Pittsburgh and Boston went in there and they had no idea what to do. Like I think that Nassau Coliseum, when it's bumping, as I've said all along, that it's it's the best best barn in the league when it's bumping right up there, probably with the Bell Center in Vegas. So I mean, the crowds are clearly impacting the game. And for Vegas, um. You know what we saw with Colorado? We kind of called it with Colorado when we were talking to our guy, Peter. We were saying, you know what? Their D are pretty small. I don't think they'll be able to do it. And Sam Gerard goes minus four in game six. And then we kind of questioned their depth and Kadri gets suspended. And they just didn't get enough from like JT Comfer and whoever else was was down there. But yeah, and Philip Grubauer played terrible in the last game. Like I, I don't think there's any, any way around that one. But good for the Islanders, good for... Vegas, but so far they've won two rounds. You're only halfway there. I got to say one thing about Colorado because we were bang on and that I, I won't name out names. We're not here to start any huge fights, but you know who it was. That girl who called us out on Twitter said, oh, Colorado's got the best analytics in the league and like, oh, you're your old school eye test here. It's not going to work. Sam Gerrard, you know, Kale McCarr. And they brought up Bowen Byram too, who you said should have played the last game. I, I, I fully agree. But again, when you think of playoff decors that win you series, win you a Stanley Cup, you don't think of small-skilled defensemen. That's what Colorado has. That's what they're built around. I'm sorry, you don't have Eric Johnson in the lineup. That's a huge miss. Yeah. We can't just look at the points and be like, oh, Eric Johnson? Yeah, they're not missing that much. It's not all about the analytics when it comes down to it, especially Here, in, in playoffs. Yeah, yeah, jump in. If, um, here's a, I don't want to be biased, but if Vegas doesn't, get Braden McNabb back in that series, they probably don't win. Because he he completely changed the complexion of, like, everybody's looking over their shoulder. He popped Nachushkin's helmet off in game six. Or, like, you need a guy like that. And Colorado tried to have a guy like that and Patrick Nemeth, but it just, no. No, not at all. That's, and I fully agree. Did McNabb miss game one through five? Did he... No, he was back, I think, for game... He was back for game one or two, but just he yeah. missed the St. Louis series. St. Louis series? Or oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. We're just throwing each other through mental pretzels. It's just been sun and beer today. It's an awesome day for World Hockey Report. Hey, we gave our predictions earlier, and so I'll whip those up here. Obviously... I was very shocked to see you take the Islanders, but again, they've just you know shoved it to you every time you pick against them. So you picked the Isles in six here. Maybe it looks good for you. They went at home at the Coliseum in six. I got the Bolts in seven. I think this is a long series. You went with the Habs in six, so explain yourself before we talk to Blaine. Um, I, don't, I just think that they're playing really well right now, and Vegas had it easy with Colorado's D and Montreal's D are the complete opposite, right? Like Alex Tuck and 
I mean, like Carrier and Mark Stone and, and all those guys who are, who are real difference makers, they won't be able to do that as much because Ben Sherratt, Edmondson, Jeff Petrie, Shea Weber, Romanov's mean. So I think that's huge. I think that I kind of think Montreal's pretty similar to Vegas in a way where they have four good lines and they can roll them. It's just, I think, Price is Carey Price and yeah. Oh, if Carey Price keeps it up, you are 100%, you know, in the right direction. I'll take Vegas at home, and I give a lot to the home ice advantage. I know we talk about it time and time again. Montreal just hasn't played in front of it. So I, you think Vegas has the advantage there. They're going to have that spark. And if it goes seven, I don't see them doing it. I love Carey Price more than the next. It's a tough, tough hurdle to get over. Nice. Oh, my Swinty playoff series once in a while. Thanks to having 18,000 fans and in Canada. Well, congrats, Ontario. You got golf back. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll talk your part. Cody Jans and Adam Ermitrout with you. Blaine Potvin coming up here. The hockey writers. We're going to talk Habs Vegas. We'll dive into that. Papa Trout making a cameo appearance. Hopefully we don't have to pay for that one. It's World Hockey Report coming to you live. Presented by Lord Go Auto Parts on 12 Ounce Sports. Well, we started one semifinal today pretty good game only three goals a little disappointing we hit the under no big deal we'll win bet shout out philly pete world hockey report here presented by lord co auto parts the one-stop shop for quality rv car truck or marine parts and accessories the ogs cody jans and adam urban trout with you here on 12 ounce sports our next gas plane puffin brought to you by our friends at coco vodka coco rum the weather's getting nicer you need something to sip on while swinging the sticks lighting up the barbecue watching the playoffs refreshingly different coco vodka rum coming out with new cans in canada flavors our next enjoy the coca life with us high quality ingredients no fillers no beer bloat no cheap liquor cocoa vodka cocoa rum you will not be disappointed i'm sipping back on it already it's been a great day i mean it's plus 30 outside in edmonton who is going to complain about that i'm not adam i can't get out golfing every single day but it's gorgeous i'll take the beach over it and you know what one team i'm sure is happy they're not golfing yet the montreal Canadiens. come on They sweep the Winnipeg Jets. They knock off the Toronto Maple Leafs. And yes, we're going to talk about it with Blaine Potvin for the hockey writer recruits hockey as well. He's got the podcast Habs Unfilter. Blaine, Adam's got the Habs to win this series in six. I got Vegas in seven. Obviously, Carey Price is the X factor in this series. Where do you see the Habs having the upper hand if it's not in the goaltending department? Well, hey, guys, thanks for having me. Um... To your question, uh, I'm going to say that the Canadians have been able to generate more offensive opportunities through these playoffs than Vegas has. Montreal has, create, has generated about 41 uh, high-danger chances through these playoffs, whereas Vegas has only generated 32. This is where the Canadians are really going to have to become opportunistic and continue that streak if they, they want to win this series. Blaine, um, so I guess middle of the season, Mark Mark Bergevin kind of turned on to a to an idiot apparently. So I guess you know everybody wanted him fired and all this and that, and now he's probably going to win GM of the year. Just what's the vibe around him in Montreal? Because I mean, every move he made in the offseason seems to have worked out. So what's the the vibe with him in Montreal? Well, well, in my- Did we lose him? Well, you might have lost him. Blaine, you still there? Very good. Oh, very good chance he might have uh, 
cut out there. Might have to chuck off the Wi-Fi. True. pocket that I have to decide on. Oh, did oh, I? We, uh, did I? Yeah, did I, you you cut out there a little bit. <laughs> maybe maybe chuck off the Wi-Fi and uh, you know repeat that one. Sorry, we lost you. <laughs> It's okay. Um, yeah, so with every every loss, he's, he's getting fired. Every win, he's he's getting hired. So uh, what came up last day uh, from Eric Engels is that he is going to be keeping his job. They're giving him a three-year contract. He, is, he hasn't decided on signing it yet, but it's a big money three-year extension on top of the one year he has for next year. So anyone who wants him gone, uh, you're going to have to wait a little while. What's your prediction for this series? Uh, I do see a path to the Canadians winning. The way they've been playing recently in these playoffs, uh, I, I can see them win. The two teams play very similar styles of hockey. And with Carey Price being Carey Price, I can see the, uh, the Canadians pulling out a seven-game series. I respect it. That's why I picked two. Um, just lastly, here the young guys on Montreal, the Suzuki's, Kakanyemi's, the Caulfields. How impressive have they been, and and where do you kind of see them playing a factor in this series? Suzuki's going to be a huge factor in this series. Uh, he is essentially the Canadians' number one centerman. I know Deno plays that big shutdown role. It's a it's extremely important that he continues that in this series but uh suzuki's offensive production is is that x factor that the canadians have been missing for many years caulfield and suzuki's chemistry is second to none i mean i know caulfield hasn't scored a goal yet but he's come up big in several overtimes creating the the goals that they've scored in overtime the suzuki goal in game uh in game Five and the time goal for Toffoli to sweep the Jets. There we go. Blaine, hey, we appreciate you hopping on here. I know it's late. I also wanted to throw <laughs> out, though, I know you're in the Navy. And hey, I mean, I know Adam, I can speak for him on this one. We respect anyone who serves the country. So thank you for all you do. And we really hope you enjoy the series. I mean, come on, Montreal in the Stanley Cup semifinals. Let's go, Blaine, buddy. We appreciate you hopping on here. Enjoy it. It's my pleasure to show up and uh, remind everyone the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs are golfing at this moment in time. (laughs) Awesome. Appreciate you taking the time here, Blaine. Have a good one. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Blaine Poffin right there from the Hockey Writers. Bold. Bold on Montreal. I don't know if I'm too bullish on them. I do think that they'll take a couple of games. I think that Carey Price is still buzzing. But I also have concerns of how long Carey Price can keep this up for. We've all seen it. He can be a great goalie for a couple of weeks. And there's times where he's breaking sticks over the posts and letting in American League goals. I don't know. I think he's one of the best goalies in the world. He's also had his time. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this earlier today. I feel like this could be a series where the first or second game is an absolute blowout and Montreal just kind of waves the flag in one of them and, and get Jake Allen in and give Price a, a bit of a rest. But yeah, I, I think something to talk about too is the guys on Montreal haven't left their houses or anything for like, I don't know, since what, December? So 
it's crazy to to think about and i saw cole caulfield's instagram story they're right on the strip in vegas probably just itching to, to go to the pool or something but i mean that could be good it's going to be interesting to see them in front of a wild vegas crowd but you know i i think montreal's a deeper team down the middle and i think that the back ends are pretty similar so you know it's it's interesting to see What's your thoughts on this? Because how I see it from a Vegas perspective is Montreal hasn't dealt with the top to bottom toughness that Montreal has faced. I feel Vegas is grittier, they're meaner, and they're more willing to do what it takes to win than the Winnipeg Jets were and then the Toronto Maple Leafs were. That's where I see the big difference maker. Yeah, I mean, Vegas's top guys, they kind of have a little more of that FU in them, I want to say, because once... Winnipeg lost Shifley. I don't know outside of Adam Lowry and Nick Ehlers. Like, no, but for Vegas, like, Marsha, so Tuck, Carrier, Reeves, Colsar, um, Mark Stone even has it. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree. Who with the you hell there. is this Colasar kid? He, he looked played, like he played in Seattle. He looked like a beast out there. Man, he was tossing around uh, Gerard. Like yeah. He, yeah, he's a man. I never, I never saw it with him because I think he was in Columbus, and I was like, yeah, he's he's okay. Like back in junior, and he was playing on the wing with Barzella back in Seattle. So, yes, I mean that'll get you some places. But all of a sudden, I mean, once again, Kelly McCrimmon coaches against a guy in the the Western Hockey League, and sure enough, he finds him for nothing as his fourth line center. So. He was impressive. Then you put him on the league uh, line with like Reeves and those guys. That's intimidating. He's not a small kid. One of the one of the weirdest things I think I've seen this playoffs is that Vegas wanted to play Ryan Reeves in Game Six against Colorado because they like playing him at home. Like that is just, it's just like it matters what if you're home or away to make lineup decisions. Apparently, just because people in Vegas like Ryan Reeves, I guess. I can speak to that. I guess on a player perspective where. Ryan Reeves is a fan favorite. You need fan favorites in the lineup because he knows the crowd. They know the crowd is going to be five times as bananas if he's out there, like just buzzing around. So I feel like there's some of that factor that comes into it where Vegas goes, we need this energy. We need to end it in game six. We don't want to go back to Colorado. And our best chance to play a high intensity game is to get Ryan Reeves in here because. You know, he's going to bring the noise. Yeah, and sure enough, I guess it turned out to be William Carrier, who I think got the game winner. So that fourth line, if if you're a, a GM watching this, you go, let's let's talk from an Oilers perspective. You're like, we had Gaetan Haas and Tyler Ennis and Alex Chason on our fourth line. Like, in what world is that going to go up against Carrier, whoever it is, like Patrick Brown or no second Reeves? Like it's just not even not even close. I can't talk and get in trouble. But the Oilers, like their their depth is just it's bad. Man, think about Corey Perry. You tweeted this out, and it's the most bang on thing I've ever seen. Is Corey Perry said, "Hey, I'll start on the taxi squad if I have to. I want to be on your team." That's what that guy brings to a lineup where he says, "Hey, this group." You've got a future. I want to be on your team. I'm going to work my way into the lineup, and I'm going to be an effective player. What fourth third-line guy has done that for the Oilers? What fourth third-line 
former star has said, I want to come to Edmonton to play with McDavid and Dreisaitl. I'm willing to live in Edmonton. I will work my ass off to be on this team. No one. No one at all. They're signing guys out of Europe. They're just bringing over guys to fill slots because they're adequate regular season players. You need these depth guys that make a difference. Yeah, and who cares about what they do in the regular season? Like healthy scratch them, put them on the taxi squad, whatever you got to do. But come game one of the playoffs, those guys are the the difference makers. And like for the Oilers, why would you go and sign Brian Boyle? Like you just captained USA at the, the world championship. He's played in the playoffs before. He knows what it takes to win. Like he's a more valuable player to your team than any guy you're going to sign out of Europe or sign out of a American league team who you think is going to make the jump. And that guy might get, you know, 10, 15 more points in the regular season, but come game one of the playoffs, it's just different. And, and also bringing up free agent signings. Remember a couple of years ago when the Oilers went and signed a couple of kids at NCAA Div 3? <laughs> and they yeah, were like, this, this is the... Brother. Yeah, this is the depth we need to bring into our organization. I don't know. It's just it's those moves that make you shake your head. You said it perfectly. Do you think, and maybe you've got a better idea than I do on this, do you think if the Oilers offered Brian Boyle a contract that wasn't over a million dollars, do you think he would turn it down? No, I think you just want a contract. I agree, but that's why it doesn't make sense. Like, you're telling me Ken Holland doesn't see value in giving a 750 800 you know grand deal to uh, I don't know <laughs> we won't get into it but I mean I thought Devin Shore was one of their better forwards in the playoffs honestly when it came down to the nitty gritty he was the guy that they had to turn to for the two games they actually dressed him so yeah they give him another deal as you said there's your guys who they're kind of irrelevant your Gaetan Hosses your Patrick Russells what good are those guys on minimum deals when other teams are getting twice the value, three times the value, if not more? Already, huge thanks, though. Again, Blake Potfen, hopping on for Coco Vodka, Coco Rum. It's Simon Smitty, Channel News for Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, the best Canadian-owned hockey company. Change of the hockey stick game, Pro Rock, top-of-the-line twigs, fraction of the Costco. Check them out today, prorock.com. Adam, what any Chell news has shook you this week because we haven't had to deal with too many suspensions. Honestly, that's usually what we'd be arguing about right now. But again, it's been pretty quiet. Yeah, kind of quiet. Um, Owen Power, like kind of, I don't know if he made headlines, but he said that he was going back to, that he would want to go back to Michigan. Probably also shout out player golf. I got my player golf t-shirt. World Hockey Report OT Challenge, World Hockey RPT for 20% off your player order. But yeah, Owen Power, like, I don't, I don't really see it as an issue. He's like, look, I went to play college hockey this year. We got screwed out of playing in the the final eight or whatever it was when they had the positive test. And looking at their team, they're going to have three top or four top eight picks, I think, with him, Luke Hughes, Matt Beniers, and Ken Johnson. Johnson. So I, I mean, going to Buffalo and playing whatever playing on Buffalo, I guess like it's not him saying he doesn't want to go to Buffalo, right? Like that's completely irrelevant, but look, if Buffalo's good enough, you'll be there in March or April playing for them, right? Like once the tournament's over. So I think for, for him to say that, I think it's honest and it's smart, right? Like as, uh, as Gordon Miller always says, he always says nobody's ever gotten hurt by staying in junior college too long. That's fair. 
for the most part, I think that is 100% accurate. And I, I had the Owen Power thing in my next segment, but while you brought it up, I might as well dive into it. Do you think... Well, okay. Also, this is a quick point, though. Buffalo is going to tank next year, and they're going to try and get Shane right. I think that is a, you know, why not tank? Trade away Eichel. Suck for two years in a row. Get two studs. I think Owen Power is going to be unbelievable. I mean, he was great at the Worlds. But if you're Owen Power, I mean, the kid's not stupid. You must have just watched Kale McCarr go back to school for a second year, develop that much more. Maybe the Olympic team's in line. Maybe that's an opportunity for him. I'm not going to jump too far ahead. He was unbelievable at the world championships, but yes, develop, dominate, and then go up. You're not going to play playoffs with Buffalo. They suck. They stink. But again, go back to Michigan, rip it up, be a stud, be a leader, learn how to be a captain, and then make the jump to the NHL when you are fully ready. Yeah, no argument for me. I figure that's the best point I've made all week, probably all year up there. All right, let's hop aside. Quick break here. We'll talk here. We got a lot more playoff talk to get to. It's the best show. It's coming to you live on 12 Ounce Sports, and it's brought to you by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Cody Jansen, Adam Ermintrout with you back after the break. If you're not enjoying the Stanley Cup semifinals, just, I mean, you know, turn your TV off right now. It's unbelievable. We've got hockey, we've got Pat Barnes, and we've got Montreal in the semifinals. They're four wins away from having a chance at the Stanley Cup. It feels like 93. What's going on? Cody James and Adam Herbertrout here with you. World Hockey Report, presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Learn more at lordco.com. Follow him on social media at Lord Co. Parts. And also, if you're in Edmonton, go check him out. St. Albert Trail Northwest. I'm telling you, it's the best store for auto parts. We are going to dive into more NHL news here for Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Go check them out today, ProRock.com. But also, everyone knows, you got to ditch the energy drinks, coffee. I haven't seen Adam drinking coffee today. That's the first. Maybe Billy's is getting to him already. you got to get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. They are designed for athletes looking to get in the zone. Billy's Smelling Salts rapidly increase energy levels through brief sniffing. Support Canadian business. Go check them out today at shopbillies.co. Not .com, not .ca, .co. Plus punch in promo code WHR for an extra 10% off. Of course, always use responsibly. A lot of alleged or rumors in the player movement area. And we will talk some more playoffs, but I got to pick your brain because Jack Eichel, Seth Jones, there's so many possibilities, so many scenarios that play out in my head. I want to get your thoughts. If there's one team that you think is a front runner for Seth Jones, who would that be? Oh, um... Anaheim's in on everything, I think, just listening to to Elliot and the kind of all the insiders. They think that Anaheim's going to do something wild. Um, I don't want to say they're a front runner because I'm trying to think. I mean, look, Seattle could be a front runner just given he played in Portland. He's kind of front. Well, he's from Texas, Colorado. So apparently he wants to go to Dallas or Colorado. It seems kind of impossible that it would actually happen. But I, I really don't know because um, it's it's so tough. Just, you know, you'd love Seth Jones for a year at five and a half million. But at the same time, like it's a year and then he could hit the open market depending on what happens. So I think he'd be he'd be. Would a good you guy. give up Sam Gerard? Yes. And a pick for Seth Jones? Yes. Not, not even first. Not even a question. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Bowen, Bowen Byram in a first? No. No, I would not. 
Bowen Byram start straight up, maybe, but like it's also ridiculous. I don't get the whole Oilers things. They're like, oh, maybe the oh, actually <laughs> Chicago. I I want to say Chicago is going to be a team to watch for Seth Jones because they could do both fist and or like Strom or somebody for him. But, see, see, Seattle makes too much sense because I don't think Caleb Jones wants to be in Edmonton. That's just my honest opinion on that. I got no facts to go off of. But what does Seattle have to give up that they could get Seth Jones for? What are they, the second pick? I don't think they do that. But That's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah, but, I mean, the people are like, oh, yeah, maybe Edmonton. Like, it makes no sense because you got him and Nurse at a combined 10 next year. Both become free agents, and they go to a combined 17. Yeah, 17 or something. So, you know, you're going to have to basically have $7 bucks in cap space. So I think um, I think Chicago might be might be a sneaky team to watch there. Really? I don't know if Chicago would lock him up long term, though. He'd, he'd want to go there, I think. Well, anyone would want to go there. It's the best city in the States. I mean, unbelievable atmosphere, to say the least. But again, that's an aging team. Does Seth Jones want to win? Or does he want to set himself up for endorsement deals? Yeah. Because um, you can't I'm, do both. Yeah, I mean, for Chicago, maybe they find a second wind with Taves and Kane and Kirby Doc healthy. And it's, it's tough though. You need Corey Crawford to come out of retirement back healthy there. Okay. Jack Eichel, obviously a lot of rumors flying around. They're never going to stop. Elliot said he thinks a deal will get done before the trade deadline. Who oh, knows? You mean the draft. Yeah. The draft. Yeah. Nice one. Thanks. Good save. Uh, so I, I think Eichel at, to LA makes too much sense. I think Drew Doughty bullies his way into the Kings having one more shot at a playoff run. I don't know if Jonathan Quick's your guy. I don't know if I, I, I don't know. I don't even think this team has a legitimate chance in making a run, but something in my gut tells me Jack Eichel to LA makes too much sense. Yeah. I think there's, there's three teams, maybe four. Um, Anaheim, LA, Minnesota, and Boston. Um, I think, yeah, as I, I mentioned Anaheim already, but the the only tough part about Anaheim is they're not doing, I don't think they do like Zegris or Drysdale. So then it's like, it's like what, what next tier are you going into there? And for LA, I, I think they could do a Turcotte or a Byfield just because if you did that straight up, I think Sabres fans would be parading in the streets, but for um for Minnesota, um maybe I'm trying to think like their top prospects like Marco Rossi and Buffalo passed on him for his teammates, so <laughs> that's kinda kinda tough too. But and then Boston just I don't know what they would have to give, but it's Boston, I guess, and that's where he's from. So I'm not entirely sure, but Anaheim or LA makes obviously a lot of sense. What do you think the odds are that he plays in Buffalo this season? Zero. Really? I don't even think there's a chance. Him him and Sam Reinhart and Ristolainen, I think there's a 0% chance. I could see Sam Reinhart wanting to come out west, too. Like, Seattle would make sense for him, right? I, I know that it's going to be tough to pick him up, but again, could you get him at a second? I mean, maybe it's an early second, and then you throw in a depth pick, too, for Seattle. Like, I'm trying to think, like, if you're Seattle, that's the type of guy you want on your roster on opening night. Like, that's a perfect fit. I'm trying to figure out why the hell Calgary's never mentioned with these teams. Like, they're always like, oh, they're they're kind of around there. And then it just never happens. And they're just Calgary. I mean, obviously, they have their own decision to make. I think namely with Sean Monaghan. But 
see. I firmly believe that free agents don't want to go to Calgary. Again, no evidence to back this up, but they're never in these conversations. I don't think players see Calgary as a spot where they go, hey, this is a team I can go and win. I got to suck it up and I got to live through the you know shitty Alberta winters, but at least I got a chance to win. No one's saying that when they're talking about Calgary. That's the issue. No one goes, oh, Brad, for living, he's going to build a championship caliber team here. They're going, no, they are content with being an average at best regular season team, maybe squeaking into the playoffs and then getting bounced in the first round or two because they're way too soft. They don't have depth and it's just the Calgary Flames. They don't have it. No one wants to be on a team like that. Yeah, another team mentioned with Seth Jones is is uh, Philly also, which who obviously would make sense. But yeah, I mean Calgary, they just are Calgary. Like it's it. There's no wow factor to them at all. Um, another team that's always mentioned is not for Seth Jones, but Toronto. Just there's a lot of smoke around them. Just yeah, Mitch Marner for Jones. No, no, not that. But there's a lot of smoke around them. Just, yeah, maybe they'll... People think that they're going to make some massive trade, and I don't really understand what that is because you're not trading any of your four forwards you have. You're not trading... I, the only one would be Morgan Riley or Jake Muzzin, who they would actually trade that. But they don't have anything like tangible to give somebody because... I totally if, disagree with that. Do you not think that they can give up the negotiating rights to Zach Hyman for something very profitable right no. now? I know that, that that happens with teams where you're going, hey, you get first dibs at Zach Hyman. He knows what his market value is. A team like Columbus can offer him whatever he wants. That's the perfect type of player. He's a hard-nosed player. He's going to go in the corners and get the puck. Columbus could hand him a blank check and say, hey, sign it. I'm not saying Seth Jones goes the other way. But again, if you're able to make some pick, no, but if you're able to make something work, you know, Zach Hyman's a guy, if Columbus can lock him up, you work out a deal. I think the only thing for Toronto that would make sense is Morgan Riley for somebody just because he's got a year left. He's a hard player to evaluate because he's not a power play guy and his points haven't been there the last couple seasons, but he's kind of the, I don't know, the old tank leaves and we made it back here and he's a good guy and all that. But yeah, I, I honestly don't know who that player would be for the Leafs. I think that they would be in on like campers or like Merzlikens or something like that, but there's gotta be something done. I just don't see what that is. See, we talked with Catherine Silverman there last week and kind of about Kemper, and I thought his stock would have rose a little bit after the world. She doesn't exactly think so, but again, I don't see Arizona moving on from him. Because without Darcy Kemper, the Arizona Coyotes are they're kind of shit. I mean, That's let's be point. real. That's kind of the point, isn't <laughs> it? Like people say that they're going to to rebuild, and it's like, well, what are you rebuilding? There's nothing. There's yeah. nothing there as it is, right? So, I I mean, one year left. He's a, a top ten goalie in the league. You had a first round pick for a guy with one year left when you're not going to do anything next year, anyways. You probably. You probably do that if you're if you're them and honestly listen on anybody else. Help they're apparently even gonna trade Connor Garland at one point. He's their best player. So um yeah, there's there's that for Arizona. I kinda want to we didn't really talk about it with Blaine, but the Mark Bergevin extension where it's just three years and a lucrative extension reported by Eric Engels, who would probably know what he's what he's talking about. So 
I mean, good for him because nobody takes more flack, I think, across the NHL than him. Um, but look, every trade he's made to an extent has worked out, or every trade that got backfired has worked out where he traded Galchenyuk for Max Domi, who had, I think he had seven goals and two were into an empty net or something like that the year before. And then Domi comes and scores 35 goals. And then Domi has kind of an off year in Montreal, gets traded for Josh Anderson and Domi, I think he ended up as a healthy scratch at one point in Columbus. And then he trades Zuban for Shea Weber and he gets Jeff Petrie. What a deal. The more you think back at that one, it's an absolute hose job. Oh, like I, I think Nashville ended up with like Steve Santini and a second round pick or something for Subban. Like there's absolutely nothing. There's nothing in Nashville anymore from that basically. So yeah, I mean, good for him. And then, the Toffoli signing, uh, getting the rights to Joel Edmondson and then signing him, signing Ben Sherratt, really creating a mold for his team that has obviously worked out. And for um, for him, he always gets a lot of crap for the Cockney draft pick, but looking at the player and the body style, like the body type and kind of what he does, he's still going to be a really good player. It's just everybody wants Brady Kachuk there, but why? See, we, we talked to Yoni Neiman in. I believe it was. Yeah, we talked with him and he's used the word feisty when it came to Kokanami. And I didn't see that in him until the playoffs. Now, now I see it. in him. He's got a little piss and vinegar there. Also, yeah. okay, on the GM standpoint, correct me if I'm wrong. Does the way Bergevin's built his team right now not remind you a little bit of Doug Armstrong in St. Louis when the Blues won a cup? Build around a big 4D, have a goaltender who's buzzing, and get offensive contributions for three to four lines. Yeah, and have, and just like not to compare the two guys, but Philip Deneau and Ryan O'Reilly do the same, effectively the same thing outside of Ryan the O'Reilly's zone. way more offensive. Well, no, clearly, but like okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, having a, a matchup centerman yeah. like that who can play 22 minutes a game, it's not like you're going to get much offense, but. When they played against, I mean, whoever it was against Toronto, Phil Austin Matthews was pretty much invisible for five games because Philip Deneau and like you're not asking him to score at all. You say play this guy even, and that's all we need. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, I don't think I got your thoughts off the Shifley comments because that was this week, and we haven't talked since the weekend. But I mean, what was your thoughts on Shifley his comments? When he goes, "Oh, I thought you know Deneau was going to shut me down, but it was Department of Player Safety." Did he not come off as a bit of a crybaby? And I'm a yeah. Shifley guy. I don't. I think four games is too much, and I really like Shifley. But to go to the media and say that, I mean, you just sound like a dog who's crying. Yeah, I I like Shifley. I I think he's a good guy, and you know he. He really embraces Winnipeg, which is whatever. But um, not not many people can do that. Yeah, which is tough to do. But yeah, I mean, he's he missed the playoffs last year because he got hurt. He yeah. finished in the press box again this year, and he had a little bit of weird comments because he's like, "Oh, I wish they told me what I could have done differently" or something like that. And I'm pretty sure that's how those hearings exactly work too. So yeah, I, I just thought it was it was kind of like a bad taste look, like. You skated from your end and ran a guy through the boards, like I, or the other end and ran a guy through the boards, and you, he was knocked out before his head hit the ice. Like I don't, I don't get that at all. And his whole, like yeah, it comes off as a bad look. And for Maurice to say it was a weird hockey play or something like that when a guy gets knocked out, I think is it's a little bad too. But that's just kind of 
how they operate and they want to defend themselves. But I mean, a four game suspension was, I think, appropriate. That's fair. I, I think it was too much. But again, I really the thing I hate is when, you know, hockey Twitter gets a hold of it and they slow down the play and they're like, oh, look at this. This happened. And it's like, well, the hit actually happened like 0.4 seconds after like the puck hops on Evans. We're not having this conversation likely. You know, it's it. There's so many different variables. Yeah, it's a dirty hit. It's a scumbag move. But everyone hits to hurt in the NHL and Shifley just got caught. <laughs> you got caught blowing up a guy and you deserve to sit in the press box for it. Two games, four games. I don't care. You're going to learn your lesson. And next time you're probably not going to do the same shit. Yeah. Just lastly, do you think, do you think Boston's runs kind of over? Cause <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're done. They, they hate Tuka Rask there. They're such idiots. I mean that, that media core and I hate to go off on the media, but Oh my goodness. I mean, just give the guy a little bit of a break. He's got a torn hip labrum. What a stupid move by Cassidy to play him. If that's as serious as an injury as it actually is. But again, I mean, Boston's an absolute joke right now. I, I can't stand anything about him. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to go that far, but I think that well, I, was... I can't. They're like, oh, well, Tuka Rask, it's his fault. Maybe it was time we play Swayman. Well, you know, we got to resign all these guys. Marshawn should be in the Hart Trophy conversation. You know, Charlie McAvoy, he gets disrespected by the league. I think if we're healthy, we win this series. Just shut up. You lost. You weren't good enough. Just shut up. Yeah, and I, I kind of wonder about Don Sweeney there because it's not like he's been making all these great moves. I mean, anybody could have made the Taylor Hall trade if that's the only place Taylor Hall was going to wave to. Like, yeah, it's, I don't really understand that. The Charlie Coyle trade and contract clearly didn't work out. Um, obviously, everybody's going to talk about the three draft picks where they passed on Barzell, Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, Samsonov, Brock Besser, connecting, I think. Yeah, it was... That's bad, too. And then, I mean, just to go one step further... Thomas Shabbat's teammate was the guy they, his D partner was the guy they took and, and all of that, you know, but yeah, it's, it seems like they're done. Bergeron's, I think he said he was like on a year to year, like maybe I'll retire. Maybe I won't basis, which isn't great. And yeah, I mean, they'll probably trade Jake DeBrusque. They'll hopefully get to Karask, maybe re-sign Taylor Hall, but I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't really get that one. So for Boston, I, I kind of said last year they're they're done, and I tweeted out, aren't they not the most disappointing team of the last decade? I think they have the either the second or third most wins, I think, in the regular season in the last 10 years after their cup year, of course, um, but they just haven't won. Like, Charlie McAvoy, Pasternak, um, they never, they've never won anything, and as with Duke Rask as their starter, they haven't won anything. Yeah, no, they... 100% they've been disappointing and I love the Bruins and I mean I think back to their cup run I was a huge Tim Thomas fan I loved Zdeno Chara I loved Milan Lucic when he was there I just think that that was a team I mean Adam McQuaid you can go down the list I thought that was a team that you know I just loved watching I'm a fan of the old school hockey so I'm huge on that but yeah I mean the past decade what have they done for it show me the rings show me the rings if you don't got those I don't give a shit okay quack stats bench someone for quack stats here Adam we got to go through a couple of segments in a minute uh, the people who said that Owen Power leaving sc- or not leaving school makes him 
hate Buffalo or something like that. <laughs> That's a hot take and a half. You know what? I'm going to bench myself because, well, I'll, I'll bench World Hockey Report in general because our second round picks were awful. And I mean, don't look back. Don't fact check us. Just take us for our word here. Don't. I mean, yeah, we're benched. Okay. Better than night. MyBookie.ag. Use promo code 12OZ Sports. Who are you picking tomorrow night? I'll go Vegas puck line. Vegas and regulation. That's it. Use, use promo code 12OZ Sports. Don't forget to download the podcast, the Hockey Podcast Network. They're presenting it. Download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Adam, last minute of play. Any thoughts? No, I'm looking forward to seeing Montreal and Vegas, and hopefully the Quebec government doubles the capacity. Um, I know they kind of put through a proposal to to do that to 5,000 people. It's kind of weird how it goes. It's like, oh, 2,500. So there's somebody being like, okay, you're, you're 2,500. Sorry, we're going to shut the door here or whatever, how that goes. But obviously with all the protocols and this and that in place. But, yeah, it'd be nice to see that. I think they're only just selling 2,500 tickets. It's not just a walk up and just. But then there's the like the here. ushers and the people in the boxes. <laughs> like I don't think like does Guy, who is who is in there? Like Guy Lafleur, he's in the the press box there. Like is he counting as one of the 2,500 people? He's got a ticket. Yeah, that was cool to see him at the game though. I give him props. That was cool to see him there. I love seeing the legends hang around. Yeah, that's awesome to see. A lot better when it's not Gretzky at TNT. That's going to do it, though. Huge thanks to our guest, Eric Erlinson, Blaine Potfan, for hopping on the show. Of course, catch us anytime at World Hockey RPT on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Janner31. Adam's there at A. Trout. That's going to do it for this one. Everyone, be kind. Be better. 